All right, all right, all right. Good morning. It's good to have you here. This is typically the place in service where we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And we're going to in just a minute. Uh, but I want to remind you what we're doing this month. Uh, we're inviting people from our community uh, who speak other languages as first languages or second languages to pray with us and for us. And this idea, um, well, a couple things. Uh, we want to be people who are kneeling to flourish in love. So if we are kneeling, we're always able to learn from one another. And what's so fun is that if you walk down this hallway, two things for you to notice. You walk down the hall. One, you're going to see a woven tapestry. It looks kind of like that. It's huge. So to me, as I've been walking by that now, watching it be created, is that what's so fun to me is that we are a whole bunch of people from around the world who are different, but we are one family under one God. And that is awesome. And so we want to celebrate that. So as you walk by, maybe you'll be as moved as me, but all of our stories under this God get woven together and it creates this beautiful tapestry. That's first. If you keep walking down all the way around and going to the fellowship hall, you're going to see the Lord's Prayer in multiple languages hanging in the banners or hanging in the rafters or banners. And the idea came from this church in Israel. It's in Israel. I think it's up near the Temple Mount, but it's called the Church of the Paternoster. And I learned about this church and I was just floored by it. If you walk in, you'll find the Lord's Prayer in a hundred different languages. And if you sit, I heard someone say this, they would go and just sit and just listen to the same prayer that Jesus taught us all to pray, being prayed in different languages. And they were just moved. So we love that we have people in our community, we're all from all over, we have all different stories, all different circumstances, but we weave together this beautiful tapestry that only the Lord can do. So I'd like to have Cynthia come up. Cynthia is going to pray for us today in Cantonese, which is the dialect of Chinese. And she's also going to read the passage for us today. So, would you pray with us? Let us now pray the Lord's Prayer in English. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Matthew 3, 1 through 12. If you want to grab a Bible, you can, or get your device. Um, first, so Cynthia's going to read, and then uh, if you want to follow along, and then we'll read it again, okay? But so give you a second to pull out your, your Bibles. If you like to, turn some pages. I like turning pages. I'm old school. I get lost on my phone. So, you know. Go ahead, Cynthia. Thank okay. you. All right. Matthew 3, 1 to 12 in Cantonese. 
。那時有施洗的約翰出來，在猶大的曠野傳道，說：天國近了，你們應當悔改。這人就是先知以賽亞所說的。他說：在曠野有人聲喊著說：預備主的道，修直他的路。這約翰身穿駱駝毛的衣服。腰束皮帶，吃的是蝗蟲野物。那時耶路撒冷和猶太全地，並約但河一大地方的人都出去到約翰那裏，承認他們的罪，在約但河裏受他的洗。約翰看見許多法利賽人和撒都該人也來受洗，就對他們說：毒蛇的種類。誰指示你們逃避將來的憤怒呢？你們要結出果子來，與悔改的心相稱。不要自己心裏説有阿伯拉罕為我們的祖宗。我告訴你們，神能從這些石頭中給阿伯拉罕興起子孫來。現在苦子已經放在樹根上，凡不結好果子的樹，就砍下來丟在火裏。我是用水給你們施洗，叫你們悔改。但那在我以後來的能力比我更大，我就是給他鐵替鞋也不配。他要用聖靈與火給你們施洗。他手裏拿著坡機，要揚正他的牆，把麥子收在倉裏，把糠用不滅的火燒盡了。You give her a hand. So, what's really fun is Cynthia actually has been. She translates lots of different things into Chinese. So she's been translating some different books、uh, over into Chinese, and so she's been using her gift to, to, to speak both to, to bless the world. And what's fun, I just learned this actually this morning, listening to the eight o'clock service, is that we're using the lectionary right now to work through Advent. So lectionary are these passages the church has used for thousands of years. It's kind of a newer thing here in America, but it's very old. So the church around the world has been reading that same passage for thousands of years in different languages, and we are doing that together here. I think that is just so awesome, right? So my mind—I'm telling you—I've got a lot of thoughts, and I'm going to try not to talk super fast. All right, but I'm excited about today, and we're talking about John the Baptist today. I'm going to read in a moment, and John's got some fire. So I was in here this morning early, and I had a little fire—just me, myself, and whoever else was in here. So I'm not sure what's going to happen today. But one thing I want to say is I want to draw attention to that. So the series, and we've been as a church in general now, we have a, a guiding sentence for who we want to be. Right? The sentence is that we want to be a people who flourish, flourish in love for God, love for our neighbor, those who live with us, and love for the whole world, because God, God so loved the whole world. That he sent his one and only son for it. So we want to be a people who flourish in love for God, love for neighbor, and love for the world. Now this series is called "Kneeling to Flourish in Love." So when I kneel, if I'm going to kneel before someone, what am I doing? I'm taking a posture of humility. Whew, I'm 38. Whew, it's harder to get up and down. But I am. I am saying in this series, what we're trying to say is we are kneeling. Under the authority of God, we believe what God wants, what God hopes for, is more important than what we do. So we are trying to recognize that, and we're using these words each week. Last week was "be ready," be ready for His return, and really, Jesus said, "I'm going to come," but I don't know when, and neither do you. 
So I'm really concerned with how you live today. That was last week. This week is be open, which we'll talk about. Next week is be less. Then it's be available. Then it's be lit. And then it's going to be, I think, be surprised if you come here on Christmas, which might be kind of a surprise if we all came here on Christmas Day, right? So those are all the B's. So that today is we want you to be less, but to do that, to flourish requires humility. And humility is not thinking less of myself. We're all made in God's image. It's thinking less about herself. It's thinking about someone else more than I think about me, which comes down to love, right? We say love is to will to serve the good of another over ourself. So that's, who, that's the people that we want to be, right? Okay, so I'm gonna read the passage. Before I do, I want you to look for three people groups. I feel like John is talking to three different groups of people, and I really believe that you can find yourself in one of these three groups. I know that I can. It's been wrecking me for at least a week, probably two, all right? So here's the three groups. I think I have a slide for it. It is slide number five. So there are people who have lost the way. There are people who thought they knew the way. And there's people who feel like they never had a chance to find or that they were lost the way. So they didn't, they didn't feel like they had an opportunity for the way. Three groups of people, okay? So I'm going to read it, and then uh, we're going to, I'm going to tell you a story, and then we're going to walk through this thing, okay? And we'll see what happens. So Matthew 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus says that shortly after. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him, to him. John's clothes are made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Man, John's wild. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So I baptize with water for repentance, but after me will come one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. People of God, it's the word of God. All right, John is hot. So I want to ask some questions. And I want to have a neighborhood conversation. But before we do, I want us to agree to something. All right. So if you'll agree with me, you're going to say it out loud. So as we come into today, John's talking about repentance. Where there's repentance, there's judgment, there's justice. Right. Today, I want us to be open, though. So can you give me slide number three? Out loud, if you're willing, I want to be wide open. So on the count of three, I hope the whole room, I want the whole room to say out loud, I'm wide open. I'm talking about repentance today, judgment and justice. Sound good? So on the count of three, if you're willing, say I'm wide open. One, two, three. I'm wide open. Preston, I like you. The arms and everything. Perfect. So neighborhood question then, since you're wide open, thank you very much. I want you to discuss with someone near you 
or by yourself, when was the last time you admitted you were wrong? When was the last time you admitted out loud that you were wrong? Ready? Oh, that's a tough one to talk to your neighbor about, right? <laughs> so if you want to, you can. If you want, don't want to, just close your eyes and just think about it, right? <laughs> all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Further conversation if you want for later. And the reason I ask, I'll bring it back in the back end too, is we're talking about repenting, right? Repenting today. And so when we say repent, um, I think sometimes I have some wrong assumptions. So when I say repent, what, what John's saying, what Jesus is saying is to change how you think. Change how you see. So you know, when I admit that I am wrong, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I am changing how I think and how I see. I'm admitting that maybe I didn't do the right thing. And I'm going to argue today, I think hopefully at the end, that repentance is a really good thing. It is a freeing thing. It's actually the way to flourish. Well, I really hope that gets, just gets drilled into our brains. I think it already should be, but flourish. How, how do we flourish? Okay? This is one of the ways. But it's hard to admit that you're wrong, right? I have a hard time doing it. It's hard. Why is that? Well, so I, I'd like to tell you a story and hope you have some fun with me. So, again, we want to be open today. So when I thought of being open, I thought of uh, when's the time when I'm open? I thought of free throws and basketball. That's how my brain works, okay? So can I get slide number six? So it's interesting. So up here we have, this is Wilt Chamberlain, and that is Rick Barry. Rick Barry is one of the greatest all-time free throw shooters in the NBA, and Wilt Chamberlain is one of the all-time greatest basketball players in the NBA. Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in a game, in a normal game. He was amazing. He was huge, seven feet tall, phenomenal athlete. He had power and grace and finesse. Rick Barry was also very good, but he had a really unorthodox way of shooting free throws. They called it the granny. I don't mean any offense to anyone today, all right? So the granny, the why, he, why he did it was they have the least amount of uh, margin for error. So your arms stay straight, so you can't screw up and you just throw it up. Versus if you shoot a basketball normal, you shoot like this, your elbow can move a lot and there's a lot of, there's margin for error. Less margin for error, more margin for error. So Wilt Chamberlain, being one of the all-time greats, he had a weakness. Does anybody know it? The free throw. He could not make a free throw. So at the end of games, the other team would just foul him because they knew you couldn't make him, right? So that's how you, you lose games when you can't make free throws. And then he can't play, so you take your best player off the floor. Problem for the team. So halfway through a season, someone convinces Wilt to try the granny. Do you know that? I didn't know that. I read in a book called Keeping Christianity Weird. <laughs> and lo and behold, he started making free throws. He had solved his problem. Question, do you think Wilt Chamberlain kept shooting the granny? The answer is no. This is what he had to say about it. Why did he quit? I felt silly shooting underhanded. I know I was wrong. I had known some of the best foul shooters in history shot that way. I just couldn't do it. So I think why I don't say, admit that I'm wrong, is that, oh, I feel silly. I might feel weak. I might feel like inferior. I don't know. I'm not sure what the reasons could be. There's lots of reasons to not admit that you're wrong. But I'm here to argue today. I think John will do the same. It is freeing to admit that we're wrong. Is that making sense, everybody? 
So today, the passage, what I would say, my sermon in a sentence with John, slide number seven, is I'm bringing the way. You heard it, the path. A voice of one called in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. I think John is saying, I'm bringing the path to you. But it will require we change how we think, which changes how we live. I'm bringing it to you, but you have to change. You know, it's interesting. When it comes to repentance, uh, my dad said this to me, and I thought, wow, that's really good. He said, as Christians, followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, we believe real change is possible. We actually believe that a person can be made new. That who I was can totally become different. Paul compared it to a caterpillar to a butterfly. Something that inches on the ground can become something that can fly. That's what we believe. That's why repentance is so important. We can become who we're intended to be all along. The person that we are individually created to be all along. But it's hard because in me, I'll say me, my pride is I think that I am right quite a bit. And I don't need to be right all the time. So we're in repentance today. Sound good? All right. So I think I'm going to do here is we're going to work our way through the passage. Okay? That's what we're going to do. All right. Verse 1. So in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, Repent. Change how you think. Change how you live. For the kingdom of heaven is near. So this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Why is that in the Bible? Do you know why that is? Like, why? Who cares what he had to wear? He wears weird things. I'm told that camel hair feels like a Brillo pad. So he is wearing a Brillo pad against his skin, and he's eating locusts and honey. And he's out in the desert, out in the, out in the margins. What is going on here? Well, in John's day, interesting, to become right with God, what did you have to do? You had to go to a place. I had to go to the temple to get me be made right with God. And as we'll see, the temple system is corrupt. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, which in today's, you, you don't say the Republicans and the Democrats are running the temple and it is corrupted. So you have both sides. Don't like each other at all, but the system they have is corrupt. So the only place I can go to become made right with God is a corrupt place run by people who I probably don't like, but I have, to go to, I have to go somewhere. There's one group who removed themselves. They're called the Essenes, and they, lived, they made the Dead Sea Scrolls really important, but they, they removed themselves from there, and they're way out in the desert. So to become right with God, I have to go to a place, two different places. John is doing the opposite. He has left both places, and he's saying, I'm bringing it to you. So you think life centers around those places? Well, I'm bringing it to the margins. And he's doing it in a way, when, he, when it says that he was wearing camel's hair and a leather belt, what he's doing is he's saying who he is. So in 1 Kings, there's a story about this guy named Elijah. You ever heard of Elijah? Elijah's got fire. He is hot. He does a bunch of wild things. But Elijah wore the same clothing. So there's a king, a bad king in Elijah's day. And uh, um, Elijah calls him out on it. He says, you, are, you have lost the way. 
you have lost the path. And he, so he tells it to his cronies, though, so some of his workers. The workers go relay it to the king, and he says, what did that guy look like? And he goes, he was wearing crazy hair clothing, and he was eating things in the desert. And he goes, oh, that's Elijah. So everyone who reads, hears this, when you, so like, oh, man, so many thoughts, sorry. Verse three, if, if I'm a, a, a Jewish person and I hear one line of scripture, guess what I can do? I can retain the whole around it. This is so ingrained in me. When I hear one line, I think of the whole story. So when he says, hey, I, I'm, wearing some, I'm wearing some camel's hair, they're like, man, he thinks he's Elijah. What a weirdo. What is he doing? What's going on? So they're already drawing connections. And Elijah's message was one of judgment and justice. You have lost the path, Elijah said, with all the fire he could muster. Get back on the path. What was the path? The path was to Abraham, back in Genesis. You are to be a blessing to the world. All of the world, every single person, no matter what, should be blessed by your presence. And he said, you are not doing that. Sermon on the Mount. What do we say blessing was? In my mind, be salt, be light. So, salt, what, what does salt do? Salt draws out what's good. Salt preserves what is good. Salt uh, makes things taste really good. So to be salt, I have to be able to see good things in people and in situations and in things, and I can draw them out. And be light. Light helps people to see, how do I live? If I'm in darkness, I can't move. I can't walk. I can't talk. So the people we're supposed to be are supposed to be helping people draw out the good in them, help them to see how God made them, lighten up the path for them. And Elijah and now John are saying, you're not doing it. You have lost the path. He said, I'm trying to make a straight path. And the way to the kingdom, the way to figure it out is to repent. Because the kingdom's here. Change how you think. Change how you live. Change how you see. And the world will be blessed by it. So John is preparing people for the kingdom. The kingdom's already here. We'll talk about that in a minute. So he's doing these crazy things. Out in the desert, what happens? Verse 5. People went out to him. Interesting. From Jerusalem, remember those, those, those three people groups? Uh, slide number five. People came from Jerusalem, people who lost the way. That was the intention for these people who were God's people. They're supposed to be that. People who, I'm gonna jump down, people who had never had a chance to find the way, keep going down. So people came from Jerusalem and Judea, but the whole region came. So in Luke's gospel, he talks about the people who came. It's not just the Israelites. It's not just the Jewish people. In Luke's gospel, people came that would never get to go to temple. Tax collectors, soldiers. So you're talking about people who, they're, the, they're traitors. I'm trying to imagine this people group listening to John. So you have people who are frustrated with a corrupt religious system. Then you know, they're standing next to people that they can't stand, right? Tax collectors and soldiers. The two groups who abuse them on a daily basis. And here they are standing together. And everyone gets to come. Everyone. Are you, I was kind of surprised by who wanted to repent. 
Why would, why would a soldier or a tax collector want to repent? They're missing something, and they know it. So in, in that passage, um, I'm jumping around right now in my mind. They say, well, what, is, what does that even mean, John? Repent. What does that mean? Is that a prayer? Is that a one-time thing? No. John says, tax collectors, what should we do? Don't take more than you're required to. Is John talking about words that we say or like a, a prayer to, to get made right? Apparently, repentance is tied to how I live. So if I have repented, if I have changed how I think, if I have changed how I see, it will change how I live. I'm bringing the path to you, but you have to change. So don't take more than you're supposed to. Soldiers, how do I repent? Don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content. So repentance is tied to how I live. So I can say good things, but if I don't live it out, I have not, right? I have not, repentance means to be walking one way and to turn a different way and go a different direction. But it requires movement and what I'm actually doing. It's interesting. So these people are coming. People who, these Israelites, who know? They know the way, but they've lost the way. There's people who never knew they could get back. Tax collectors, soldiers, they've done too many things. They don't get to get back. John says, yes, you can. Come back. But John's baptism is different. That's why I asked you, when was the last time you admitted that you were wrong? So John's baptism, baptism of repentance, in that day, it was not what we do. You baptized yourself. So what you would do was, when you, when you got baptized, what you're saying was, I have lost, in front of people, I have lost the way. I'm lost. But I really want to get back. So you would walk yourself down to the water. And before people, you would say, I'm wrong. I need help. I want to get back. And you would submerge yourself and come back up. But it was a verbal, physical representation of, this is the state of my heart right now. And then when you do it in front of people, two people, what happens? They help you. They hold you accountable. My wife does this to me all the time. So it's different. But it required humility. So putting myself under the authority. My way is not the right way right now. Would you help me back? But when John saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, where people were confessing their sins, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you? So this is, we don't catch it, but it's pretty harsh. So in that day, the idea was that vipers, uh, uh, when vipers were born, they thought, they thought they were, I think, born inside the mother, and they would eat their way out. So the thought was the babies would kill their own parent to be free, to, to get out. In this culture, was it pretty important to honor your father and your mother? Yes. 
He's saying, you, that's a pretty grievous sin. You're the kind of people who would kill your own parent to get what you want. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Right? Produce. It should be seen, experienced, known, if you have changed. If you are down a different path. And don't think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. What they're doing there is there is almost an assumption of goodness. Hey, I was born in the right group. I'm good. Right? I don't know. I think I'm good. I might say my, my, my parents went to church. I'm good. You ever get fascinated when you watch a terrible thing happen? A person does an awful thing. And everyone's always like, they're pretty good. I think they're a pretty good person. Ha! Huh. This is assumption. He's like, no, you cannot, you cannot assume just because you were born to somebody in a place that you are fine. That, that, you, are, that you are good. I'm talking about changing everything inside of you. To become different means you have to actually assess yourself. Am I on the path? Am I off the path? But John's saying, Jesus, he's coming to bring it directly to you. But you have to decide what you want to do. So I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So that's an allusion to Jeremiah probably. And in Jeremiah, he's talking about an olive tree. Olive trees are supposed to create, produce good fruit. And you're not. So in that, is, destruction is coming. Because of how you're living, because of what you're doing, destruction is coming. Bad things. And it's really because it's, you're choosing them. I'm choosing them. I always hate, I feel like I'm pointing all the time. I don't like that. I'm choosing them. I want to bring salt and light. I want to get back on the path. I sat this morning and the Lord just ran me through things by myself. It's like, Clayton, this and this and this. And but I gave it to him. So I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not even fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So his winning fork is in his hand. He'll clear his threshing floor. He's going to gather the good, the, the wheat, into the barn and burn up the chaff. So uh, uh, I found this interesting to me um, is that the threshing floor, right, is probably, he's probably alluding to the temple. Because I, I, I just learned this. Uh, David bought a threshing floor to build the temple. So he is at the door. God is at the door of I'm just going to say this, of me. I'm trying to follow Jesus. And he's saying, he's sifting. What's good remains, and what's not will be thrown away. But I'll keep what's good. That passage, man, it's Old Testament all over the place. John is always pulling from the Old Testament. So, but he's talking about judgment, the day of judgment. It's all about the day of judgment. And I think sometimes we think judgment is bad, but when judgment happens, justice happens. So things that are wrong, things that need to be made right, 
happen at a judge. And Revelation says that Jesus is the faithful and true judge. So if I trust him to be the judge, at that time when he judges, he will judge correctly. And when he judges, justice comes. And what is justice in the Bible? Justice restores things to how they're supposed to be, how they're intended to be. Justice is not you did a bad thing, you get thrown away. No, justice is, makes you who become who you're supposed to be. So on judgment day, everything will become as it's supposed to be, which is the best news, right? So if you keep following, it's in Malachi. It's right before the New Testament. The next thing that happens is this. Can you give me the video? Is that possible? Malachi says that we're going to be like calves who have just gotten out of the barn. Look at that calf. It is jumping and kicking. You can't see it well, but it almost looks like it's smiling. I've never seen a cow smile before. So you become people when, when, when you repent, when you change. And then on that day when he comes, it's actually the best day. We will be so full of joy. You will be so free. That's judgment. That's justice. That's what's coming. And John's like, get back on the path. It's the path to life. And it's not just life for you. It's life for everyone around you. That is just the best news. Application. Oh, man. What fun. Isn't the Bible so much fun? I can't get over this book. It's something else. So what I want you to do this week I mean, repentance. We're talking about repentance. It feels big. It feels abstract sometimes. Like, just one time this week, just admit that you're wrong. That's what I'm going to try to do. I'm just going to admit that I was wrong once. So I think if I, if I can admit, if I can take a knee, I will have to, I can guarantee you, I will admit I was wrong to her. I'll admit I was wrong to my kids, both girls. I think I'm going to have to admit I was wrong quite a few times. But if I'm willing to do that, did you know that there's what they call the, the threshold minimum? So we want to become a people who flourish, which means we are humble, that we love, we are willing, serving the good of another over ourselves. There's a threshold minimum. And for a lot of people, they won't do something until they see a certain number of people doing it. It's different for everyone. But what if there's a whole room full of people? What if there's a community of people who are willing to say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I messed up. I should not have said that. Would you forgive me? If a bunch of people start doing that, people who are like, I, uh, I mean, I, I had three people say they were wrong to me this week. I can do that too. And they meet the minimum. And then all of a sudden, salt. All of a sudden, light. So would you do that? Do it with me. Count of three. I'm wide open. You ready? One, two, three. I'm wide open. Let's give it a shot. Two other things. I'm invite the band up. I'm going a little long. There's an Advent contemplative service in here after this, 11 o'clock. We use the candles. We're talking about peace today. If you'd like to hang around, create intentional space, we'd love to have you. Stick around, walk down, grab some coffee, and come back. We want to keep remembering that we'll be a people who are flourishing in love for the world. So if you walk down the hall, there's a table just outside the sanctuary where there's a sign-up for a class called God's Heart for the Nations. It's at Central College. We can help you if you need help to pay for it. 
but you can go and you can hear stories about what the Lord is doing around the entire world. You're invited. And then December 16 through 18, we're going to pray, unceasing prayer. You can already sign up. It was in the Stay Connected email. Top floor, Mission Ford Lighthouse. We're going to pray for the world. And you're invited to do that. Let's pray. I just pray that we're open this week, God. When you, when you, whatever word we want to use, convict, expose, reveal our hearts, you do that because you want to restore us. You want us to become the people that you had intended all along, people who bless everyone around us, who welcome everyone around us. So I just pray this week that we would that we'd have a kneeling posture. We'd be humble. That we would be thinking that much more of those we share life with so we can flourish in love. Amen.